Hello and welcome to BJGP Interviews. My name is Ewan Lawson. In this episode, we talk to Dr. Jessica Watson, who is a GP and NIHR academic clinical lecturer at the Centre for Academic Primary Care at the University of Bristol. And the paper is a qualitative study of communication of blood test results in primary care. First of all, I asked Jess to tell us why they did the study and what was the problem here they were addressing? Well, I mean, as a GP myself, this very much kind of stems from my own personal experience. And I think like every GP, I spend a lot of time reviewing and communicating blood tests. And so I know from personal experiencing how challenging and complex it can be um, and how important that is, particularly, I think, in the current context of of time and workload pressures that we're facing in primary care. Um, You know, and we know this is important um, for patient safety for us to get this right. We know from the literature that failure to communicate blood tests is an important potential cause of litigation. And I think increasingly we are trying to move towards increasing patient engagement in their healthcare. And I think this is also important as well to ensure that patients have an understanding of their test results as part of that. Um, So the the, the paper actually arose from my, my doctoral research fellowship, so my PhD, which was actually looking at inflammatory marker testing in primary care. And it was a mixed methods PhD um, using CPRD on the one hand to explore when and how to uh, interpret inflammatory marker tests, and then also using qualitative interviews with GPs and patients about how to share these test results with patients. And when we kind of looked at the emerging data from those interviews with our patient partners, they they noted how much systems of test communication was coming out strongly in those results. And, and they commented on how important they felt that was for them as patients. So with this analysis, we aim to really explore that, to explore how doctors and patients' understanding and experiences of systems of test communication um, varied. You'd think with something as important as this and patient safety, that would all have a it would all be running on rails you know, in terms of the way we give um, blood tests and results to patients and the importance to them and the importance of us of getting it right in the amount of time we spend on it. But, um, well, no spoilers, but we'll get on to a little bit to what you found in a minute, because it's maybe not quite, it's not as clear cut as that at all. Tell us a little bit about what you did. We recruited patients at the time of blood testing. So this was mostly from phlebotomy clinics. Um, So the phlebotomists were inviting patients to take part in the studies. In some practices, we had kind of flexibility to accommodate different methods in different practices. So sometimes GPs recruited patients. And we interviewed the patients at the time of testing. Um, And then around a couple of weeks later, when they'd received their test results. And then I also did paired interviews with the GPs who'd requested the tests. So for each kind of clinical case, we had three interviews, which gave us this paired data, allowing us to look at how doctors and patients' perceptions varied within a single healthcare encounter. I think it's the paired data that's really, you know, really it gives us some gold here as well in the results. Maybe Mm. go on and tell us a little bit then about the. Tell us about your findings. The strongest thing, the first thing that came out is how unclear the systems are of test communication. Um, You know, it it is a complex area. Test results can be communicated by text message, by telephone, face-to-face, by receptionists. Sometimes the patient contacts makes contact. Sometimes it's the GP surgery that makes contact. And, And doctors and patients both told us that what method was used varied depending on 
which GP was looking at the test and, and what that result showed. Um, and the consequence of that was that it could be very confusing for patients, um, which kind of links to the title of the patient paper, I guess I'll wait to hear, um, which in a sense kind of sums it up. Patients were, were kind of using guesswork to work out how and when to get hold of their test results. Um, and one of the problems with that was the kind of assumptions built into the system there. So doctors were often assuming that the patients would make contact with the practice, um, but this often didn't match up with the patient's perception. So, you know, I had, had it's, as you say, it's these paired quotes that really illustrate that. So it was one case with a doctor saying, oh, I know the patient would call, um, whereas the patient said, I've never, ever asked for my test results. And I think when I heard that quote, that was quite a sort of... Um, uh, quite a stopping point for me and, and quite an eye-opener for me as a clinician to hear that from a patient and to realise how sort of how many mismatches there were in terms of expectation and understanding of the systems there. Yeah, I was going to ask you to give a couple of the paired quotes because it sets out beautifully some of the, the that, that, as you say, that mismatch and misunderstanding. The one I've got in front of me just now is where the GP says, and never presume no news is good news. And the patient says right side on the other side, well, I just presumed no news is good news. Yeah, absolutely. And that was a, that seemed to be a common perception from from patients that it, I guess I'll wait and hear, wait to see. And if I haven't heard anything, I presume it's OK. Um, you know, and, and even within the small sample that we had there, you know, we could see how that system could fall, fall apart quite easily and, and the risks that that led for patient safety. Yeah, so unclear systems. Um, you also went on one of the themes that you looked at were, was about um, communicating with communicating the results and speaking to um, reception, perhaps on the telephone. Yes, that's right. So you know the the, the systems of receiving results could also be challenging for for patients, and receiving results from receptionists was perceived as one of those kind of barriers almost, or, or certainly a challenge for patients, because they weren't always able to get the information they needed about what the result actually meant for them and for their health and, and what they should be doing next. Um, yeah, I think it's an interesting area because you often, you know, as a GP, you, you know that the receptionists do do it and do communicate the results to patients. And you often, you know, there, there is a risk you leave it to them. But then you sometimes just get that feeling and the sense in the background that patients aren't quite getting the information they need. Mm, absolutely. And I think, you know, that perhaps particularly comes into play when test results are normal and we just leave a simple kind of results, normal, no action, which can kind of, you know, doesn't perhaps give patients what they need to know about what, what does that mean? What's next? Uh, one really interesting area that's obviously come up a lot in the last few years is about text messages and yes. using them to communicate results. Yes, yes, absolutely. And I think, you know, Whilst GPs were were saying this is these are fantastic, it's really positive having text messages. Patients did appreciate the speed and the ease of of access to text messages, but they had mixed views as well um, about potential pitfalls. You know, um, one patient saying, you know, I wouldn't want to receive abnormal. Obviously, wouldn't want to receive abnormal results by text. Whereas the the GP there saying, well, we wouldn't text with normal results we'd only send a text if it was abnormal so another kind of mismatch there um and you know i think it's just it's just really important to to understand the patient perspective when we're designing these new systems like task text messages or kind of going forward online access as well yeah we'll mention that in a minute but one of the things i noticed from the text messages um section in the paper was that a lot of the doctors just assumed that the patients loved them and thought they were great yeah 
yeah absolutely and uh, not at all clear that that is the that is the case in all in all circumstances at all certainly much more mixed and i think you know definitely pros and cons to text messages and it, it it is challenging working out how to carefully phrase those messages so that we're not causing anxiety and concern for patients yeah tell us a little bit about the online access thing i know that's a bit more limited because not everybody has it just yet yeah, well, I mean, these these interviews were done pre-pandemic. I think it's a rapidly changing area, and I think this is kind of important for future research. We we did purposively sample practices or a couple of practices that offered online access, um, but none of the patients that we actually interviewed had used that or, or knew that it was an option. Um, although, you know, there were several patients saying they, they thought it would potentially be useful in future. So I think... Um, Again, this is this is something that has been kind of sold as a solution to this problem is we'll just give patients access online to their results. But I think further work is needed to really understand that. What does that mean? What does that look like? And, and the current model of just providing patients with access to test results in a format that's designed for doctors without thinking about what the consequences has got significant risks as well as benefits. Yeah, it's very easy to imagine the difficulties you'd run into immediately because we all know, you know, that when you see a stream of what looks like abnormal results and and it's not necessarily the case. And we obviously we can't speculate, we only speculate given the research you've done this time, but you'd have to think that some of the problems associated that you've already found may be be also there. Absolutely, absolutely. I'd love to look into this more um, in future to, to try and unpick this and to explore how we can do that in a way that works for patients and in, informed by patients views and perspectives. Jess put some of this together some of the overall consequences and where we need to go next. Patients talked about the consequences in terms of the frustration the anxiety a feeling of kind of being in limbo when they didn't know when or how they were going to get their results but we did see positive examples too you know when patients said they a plan had been put in place for how and when they get their results this could really help take the worry out of the weight um you know using patients words there um, so it, it can and is being done well um but but there are significant potential problems here as well and and as i said you know as a gp it was quite an eye opener listening to these patient stories um doing these interviews gps are under an enormous amount of pressure and this looks like it's going to be even more work for them uh, perhaps you'd comment a little bit on that jess absolutely i mean i really don't want this to be seen as another extra thing that gps have to fix on top of everything else that that they're dealing with at the moment uh, but i really do believe that with the right safe systems in place, we could actually decrease workload by ensuring that patients are getting their results back without having to keep chasing receptions or receptionists or or booking follow-up consultations, you know, because there's nothing more frustrating than, than having a telephone consultation about a test result that you didn't order with a patient that you didn't know. So, if we can get these systems in place and, and safe safe and efficient, I think we can not only sort of you know, reduce risks in terms of patient safety, we can also have an impact on, on GP workload. Yeah, it's so important for patient safety, so important in terms of the patient perspective. And um, so really wonderful bit of research. Jess, thank you very much. Thank you very much for listening to this BJGP podcast. The original research papers and articles can be found at bjgp.org. The show notes and podcast audio can be found at bjgplife.com. Do share if you've enjoyed it. 
subscribe via all the usual places, including Apple Podcasts, Google, Spotify, or your podcaster of choice. Thanks again. <music>